the Legion of Superheroes, and Bucks Bunny. Welcome to FW Team Up, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Shotgun. Taking you through a classic, well, classic superhero team up, the Legion of Superheroes and Bugs Bunny from the special of the same name dated August 2017. And Shotgun, uh, you're my partner on the reviews of the Reboot Legion books at the Legion of Super Bloggers website. So I thought you'd be a natural fit for this. I mean, it was a fun adventure to go away from the, the series we're reading right now and just dive into something a bit more silly. Editor's note, Siskoid and Shotgun are currently reviewing Abnet and Lanning's The Legion, with number 16 dropping this Friday. So I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's silly, but it's also like a throwback to the Legion of the late 70s. Uh, you know, sure. Well, it's that Legion. It's that version of the Legion. But you recognize all the characters anyway, right? Absolutely, yeah. Well, in each episode of FW Team Up, one panelist will pick one character, or in this case, team, to defend. So in this case, Shotgun, what's your choice? Well, I have to go for the Legion. Okay, but you could have taken Bugs Bunny. I mean... Everybody knows Bugs Bunny. He's charming, but the Legion has a special place for me. <laughs> okay, I'll take Bugs Bunny. As is customary, we preface with a reason or reasons why we like the character we've chosen. So, Shotgun, what's so great about the Legion? Well, as I just said, um, the Legion holds a really special place in my heart. Before recording this, I just went onto the Legion of Super Bloggers uh, website to see when we all started this adventure. Can you believe it's been five years already? Since uh, Hot, Hot or, or not. not. Yes, so the first uh, Hot or Not was in March 2015. And so I think that in a way, this is what brought me to blogging and then podcasting and then blogging again with the reboot. And here I am today. So obviously the Legion um, has a special place in my heart and apparently in my... And on your leg. Yeah, on my leg as well. <laughs> Editor's note, Shotgun has a tattoo that features her various fandoms and the Legion symbol is among them. But what I like most about the Legion as a whole is the diversity of the characters. I think there's something for everyone in that team. And sure, I think it makes it a bit hard sometimes to write a story with so many characters. But at the same time, I think it has the potential to give... Uh, some great stories as well. Do you have a favorite Legionnaire or two? <laughs> or three? Uh, <laughs> There's like 30 songs. Many, some. yeah. At the top of my head right now, I would say um, Phantom Girl, Apparition uh, in the reboot. So I, I like her a lot. And now, ooh, spoilers, she has a baby. Uh, that will uh, create some uh, more uh, interesting stories, I guess, and plot twists for her. Editor's note. The Legion number 16 is cover dated March 2003. I got a few, I guess, but, you know, Brainiac <laughs> 5 or Lightning Lass, of course, who's the hottest of the Legionnaires. Whatever other podcasters may say. Editor's note, he means Shag. <laughs> uh, as for Bugs Bunny, why do I like him? Yeah, why does anyone like him? Uh, he's a smart mouse. I connect with that. Uh, it's one of the reasons I got beat up in high school. Good <laughs> I only time. got beat up in high school once and then pushed around a, an, another time by the same kids. And it was because of my smart mouth, you know. Well, I've sort of weaponized it now, but, but <laughs> it still gets me into trouble. It's probably why all my role-playing characters are fast talkers. I am not a good... Maybe I'm a good role-player, but <laughs> I'm a game master all the time because whenever I play, I play one of these Bugs Bunny characters, and it drives the other game master mad. I can I can see that. Yeah, I no, can imagine. But you know, I wish my players would push me that way, and sometimes they do, and sometimes I hate it. But <laughs> but as a player, I know I'm I'm a nightmare. So uh, and it comes from Bugs Bunny. I'm a, I am a Bugs Bunny type. So of course I will relate to him. 
That makes sense. I mean, he was on TV all the time when I was a kid. Looney Tunes was a big part of my of uh, childhood as well. Uh, let's talk about the hero's publication history. Shotgun, I don't know if it's fair to ask you about the Legion's very convoluted publishing history. Thank you. So we'll save it for another Legion team-up. There are others, you know, and I'll make little Russell Burbage do all the work. Uh, for now, let's <laughs> just say that the Legion first appeared in Adventure Comics 247 all the way back in 1958 as part of the Superboy stories before taking over that book entirely. And then they started showing up in Superboy, which soon became Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, and then finally just Legion of Superheroes. They keep invading Superboy's space. Uh, the story we're covering seems to take place in that late 70s era, more or less. I'm judging by the costumes, although it plays kind of fast and loose. Uh, as for Bugs Bunny, he started life as Happy Rabbit uh, in Porky's Hair Hunt, a cartoon short released in April of 1938. He's 20 years older than the Legion. Uh, that's why they're teenagers. He becomes Bugs Bunny in July 1940s, A Wild Hair, also introducing Elmer Fudd and Bugs' catchphrase. Uh, what's up, Doc? It was a huge success in theaters. It received an Academy Award nomination for Best Cartoon Short Subject. Uh, by 1942, Bugs had become the number one star of Merry Melodies, and when Warner's cartoon stars went to television with the Looney Tunes, Bugs was basically the main star. And everybody knows that wascally wabbit. In comics, since this is a bit what we're doing here, his newspaper comic strip uh, ran almost 47 years, from 1943 to 1990, and he was continuously featured in comic books for 40 years, starting with Dell Comics' Looney Tunes, and Mary Melody's comics number one in 1941. After 153 issue run of that comic, he moved to his own title for 245 more issues plus spin-offs, including 83 issues of Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny. And that brings us to 1983. In the modern era, DC Comics, a wholly owned subsidiary of Warner Brothers, has produced Looney Tunes related material on and off, including the book we're looking at today. Editor's note. The publication history was interrupted several times by the baby in the downstairs apartment screaming. We call him Malcolm, for Malcolm in the middle, because he is in the middle apartment of the building. He will interrupt this recording several more times before it is over. Editor's note, we do not have to have an editor's note for everything. Editor's note, yes, we do. Editor's note, agree to disagree. Are we ready to get into this? Why not? Let's go. Well, we're ready. I don't think people <laughs> at home are ready for, the, for this story. Uh, it's called The Imposter Superboy. It's by writer Sam Humphreys, with art by Tom Grummet and Scott Hanna. Dream Girl wakes up from a premonition a homage to Crisis Number 8, in which a faceless Superman holds Supergirl in his arms. At the same time, Brainiac 5 is frustrated that he can't cure Supergirl, the woman he loves, from the deadly virus she infected herself with to save the Legion from Mordru. The Legionnaires are all caught up in their thoughts when Brainy breaks their angst moment to reveal he's built a Computo 2, which has determined the only cure is Illudium Fosdex, which cannot be found in the 31st century. The Legion is wary, but Brainy programmed this computo to love. <gasps> dream Girl tells the others of her dream, and everyone jumps at her mention of a Superboy-like figure. If Philodium Fosdex doesn't exist in the 31st century, maybe Superboy can find some in the 21st. Oh, but the angst! Brainiac 5 breaks the spell again and commands Computo 2 to take the time cube to the past and get help. In Smallville, home of Superboy, a recognizable wabbit is planting baby carrots and giving them a lot of care. 
The time cube appears in town, miles away, but Computo, too, stops short of contacting young Clark Kent. He turns around and heads to the country, where Bugs Bunny is about to go to bed, first kissing his very special gem-like carrots goodnight. He's asleep when Computo finds him and zaps him to the future. In the 31st century, the Legion can't wait to see Superboy again, except... It's a dead-tired Bugs Bunny who comes out of the time cube, and Groggy looks at himself in Wildfire's mirrored visor, wipes his face on Shadowlass's cape, then he looks out the window and... Where the heck is he? And more importantly, when are they going to take him back to his baby carrots? Computo apologizes and says it must have been a malfunction. But since Bugs Bunny is from a time when Illudium Fosdex was plentiful, maybe he'd consent to an examination to see if there are atoms of the stuff in his body. Not when he sees Brainy's torture chair. And who can blame him? Ultra Boy tries to stop him from leaving. But Bugs fast-talks him into telling him to leave right now. Then he throws a giant bone out the window and gets Timberwolf to fetch. Lightning Lass wonders where all these superpowers are coming from. Computo sends a signal to someone, and Sunboy, ugh, tries to stop Bugs himself. Bugs Bunny suddenly has Wonder Woman's costume and knocks Dirk out like a light. What? what? Speaking of lights, then Shadowlass covers Bugs in darkness, but she's interrupted by Validus attacking the Legion Citadel. Bugs Bunny uses that moment to try and escape by rewiring the time cube, but he then notices his special carrots that were brought along, and his conscience tickles him. Meanwhile, the Legion is fighting a losing battle against Validus. Made worse when Computo whispers sweet nothings in their ears and gives them an angst attack. The Legion is helpless. Computo orders Validus to destroy Supergirl. Hold it! It's Superbugs to the rescue. Powered by his magic carrots, he's able to defeat Validus. Computo tries to put the angst whammy on him, and it seems to work! No! His baby carrots! But nah. Bugs is immune to angst. Gosh. He knocks Computo into the wall and finishes Validus with an Action Comics homage. But what about Supergirl? Can she be saved? This is all Computo's fault. The machine intelligence argues that it's really Brainy's fault for programming him with love. He loves Brainiac 5 so much that he became jealous of Supergirl. He's really sorry and melts himself before he can hurt anyone again. Editor's note, it hardly seems worth it to continue with the story with its hero out of the way. At this point we should reveal that the editor is Computo 3, programmed to point out conflicts of interest. Superbugs is about to leave when he feels that twinge of conscience again. He looks at his last magic carrot and guess what? Its Illudium Fosdex content is off the charts. He gives it up to save Supergirl's life. Dream Girl's premonition came true. Brainiac 5 and Supergirl embrace. Lightning Lass regrets having judged Bugs Bunny as being loony. And as Bugs Bunny returns to his time and his farm... The Legion puts up a statue to a true hero, Superbugs, who was there for them in their darkest hour. And that's uh, the Bugs Bunny Legion <laughs> team up. I, and there's also another story to this. I mean, you know, there's a backup story in the style of Tales of the Legion. It's the same story, but just more cartoony with different jokes, a few different beats. Did you read that one as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, is it? <laughs> did you like it better? <laughs> but it's a, it's really the same yeah, story. Yeah, it's the same story. It's just I think I preferred the first one just because you have a little snippet of every legionnaire in the first one versus 
uh, in the um, Tales of the Legion, you only have the three, four main characters mm. that are there, which is Brainiac, uh, Lightning Lass, and Ultra Boy, and Supergirl, of course. I, I guess the the Bug's arrival was a bit more comical in the Tales of the Legion instead of being... Because he accepted to come to the future. He was more aware of what's going on and more going with the flow instead of being really struck with what's going... what's was happening. There was a cool, a bit of cool stuff. I liked how he defeated... Um, I think I like how he defeated Validus a bit more in the second one with the explosive carrots. Typical acme accessory right there. So, yeah, but that's basically... Except for this little bit, I preferred the original. Yeah, it's it's told very more quickly, uh, fewer pages, a more cartoony kind of uh, uh, artwork. But since it's the same story, we decided we're just gonna we're gonna tell that first one. Uh, it does have more Legionnaires in it, including a couple of my favorites. So obviously, this is gonna be a humor comic because Bugs Bunny's presence. But what do you think about making the Legion the butt of the joke? Because the, the Legionnaires are just as are written just as much as comedy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Re- referential comic book humor. They were really self-aware all along, um, making jokes about laws, about recycling subplots and stuff like that, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. What's funny is that for the first time reading this, I actually felt like those characters are actually teenagers. Because in the main storyline, they're written like any other superheroes with big decisions to make that might have a big impact. And this, like, and it, it's easy to just forget that they're kids. But in this issue, I mean, it was really over the top. the angst. Yeah, the angsty teenagers was so overplayed that it just kept reminding you, yeah, no, they're all kids, like... Yeah, there's some fun ones for me is like, uh, you know, some some of their problems are real, you know, my parents are dead or whatever, you know, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that they keep thinking of, their their trauma keeps visiting them anytime they have a thought bubble. But you've also got... Ultra Boy, whose curse is his haircut, or it's like and Timberwolf, that's really the butt of the jokes <laughs> all along. Just wanting, dreaming about food and chasing a, a bone. He was, you know, ironically, the first issue of Legion I ever read. Editor's note: Legion of Superheroes, Volume Two, Number Three Hundred Four. Timberwolf was going through this thing where Lightning Lass had broken up with him, and he was really, really angsty. <laughs> And this, he's the least angsty because yeah. all he's really, you know, he's just he's Jughead. Yeah, to, to no, this, absolutely. To this Archie group, <laughs> just wants a burger. Editor's note: Siskoid is making a veiled reference to the period of the reboot fans called the Archie Legion on account of the youthful art. Siskoid thinks he is pretty clever. It's also meant to be a little bit like a pastiche of you got the Tales of the Legion on one end, but. Uh, the front, it's supposed to feel like the Legion of a certain time, which uh, makes sense for Sam Humphreys here, who uh, currently is writing, almost finishing, I guess he's finished on his end, the Dial H for Hero comic, which is full of pastiche. So he's, he feels like, like the perfect writer for this. Uh, but of course, it's got to come through in the art. And we got Tom Grummet, who you've met through the, um, Super Bo- the 90s Superboy comics, the reboot Legion crashed into. <laughs> Editor's note. Superboy Volume 4, number 21. He was the artist for that, and he's good for, like, showing kids mm-hmm. a fun, colorful superhero style. Oh, in general, uh, I love the art. I love the story, the way it was written and everything. So, no, they, they did a really good job to m- mix together those two styles that are definitely not the same and make a really fun story. Are there, you got favorite jokes you want to call out? Well, I guess the self-awareness is really cool. I loved especially how the editors kept, like, fighting himself during the comic. Editor's note. So now you know why I keep breaking in like this. And I love, I loved how uh, Sunboy 
got punched in the face. <laughs> I don't know if that was supposed to be a humorous moment. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was. <laughs> uh, sure, uh, yeah, okay. Editor's note. At this point, the recording was interrupted by litter box action. Why have that in the studio, Siskoid? It's interesting that the Legion is actually funnier than Bugs Bunny in this. I think, you know, Bugs Bunny's got that cartoon humor going, but I think all the, the best jokes, or maybe it's because I'm a comic book nerd, the best jokes are Legion-related. Definitely. I, I think, well, since it's a, uh, a team-up, it's a cross-reference of two different comics, uh, and I, I mean, it's been done quite late, right? 2017. So I, I feel like... It was really uh, marketed and done for Legion's fan because, as you said, most of the humor came from them, the, the Legionnaires. Someone who would want to read this as being a Bugs Bunny story would be so lost. Probably. Although, yeah, it's just Bugs Bunny crashing into this world that the reader might not know. Uh, but it's also a DC Universe world because Bugs Bunny cosplays Wonder Woman in this, uh, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> magically. Editor's note. Siskoid only realized later that this was probably a reference to Wonder Wobbit, one of the members of Earthbees JLA, just a lot of animals. He was in the shower at the time. It's where he does his best thinking. Now we're just giving too much information. And Lightning Glass seems to be the only one that's aware that he pulled something out of nowhere. Uh, he's changing costumes. This is just like cartoon tricks. They come across as superpowers. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things for the comic book nerd in me is that uh, the carrots, the magic carrots, they're kind of his kryptonite as well. I mean, they're kind of made of kryptonite. They're not his kryptonite because the, there is spinach. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like crystalline. It's like they're kryptonite, but a kryptonite that gives him power. Mm -hmm. um, it is also Captain Carrot's stick. So there's a character in the DC Universe called Captain Carrot, uh, who is the leader of the zoo crew. Nice. Great. Right. right. So it's on another world. There's a, a, a world of funny animals. And there are these superhero animals, and they had their own series, everything. Captain Carrot is just like this regular rabbit, and uh, when he eats his magic carrots, he becomes super buff. He becomes the Superman of his world, basically. Oh, okay. So it's like Bugs Bunny is taking on that role. Uh, I also like that, um, you know, Validus in this. Why Validus without the rest of the Fatal Five? <laughs> is, is like, oh, we've got Computo, he's all brain. We've got Validus. Who has like an enormous brain, but he's just brawn. So you've Definitely. got, yeah, you've got like computer needed a, a body to do this stuff. Uh, and you're right that, um, it's satisfying that Sunboy gets it. <laughs> and what is this Sunboy with the long hair? I don't know. I... I've never seen him in that look. Maybe, he's, maybe he had it at this point. I just don't know, but, hmm. He looks more punchable. He looks <laughs> even, even more, more punchable. It's, it's just sad that he doesn't have enough, I would say, screen time, but panel. <laughs> panel time, page time. Pa yeah, page time for us to learn to hate him a bit more before he gets punched. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you check out those, you know, we, we talked about the, the homaging going on in here. Uh, did you check out any of those references on your Not own? Not at all. <laughs> well, the, the, the crisis one. Uh, so this is a very famous, Crisis number eight is the one where Supergirl dies. And you've got Superman holding Supergirl in his arms. Oh, and I remember crying. the image, yeah. Yeah, that image. So this is what Dream Girl sees in her dream. Mm -hmm. uh, although it's this time it's going to be as a savior and it's going to be <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Uh, the other uh, homage is, I said the Action Comics homage. I, I used to collect these. It's the cover to Action Comics number one. Uh, here it's like on page uh, 26 or something. The way he defeats uh, Validus. The way he defeats Validus is the cover to Action Comics number one. Superman is crashing a car into the, the ground, in, into a post. And uh, it looks a lot like this with all the Legionnaires 
actually being in the same positions as the the innocent bystanders crouch down or I mean so it's redoing that cover instead of a car it's validus <laughs> and that's why they're screaming not another homage <laughs> no not you know like like it hurts them editor's note that background noise you hear is a snowblower and outtake explains it we're in the middle of a stormageddon people are taking out their uh, snowblowers to make sure tomorrow morning isn't too bad to clear uh, living in canada in winter not the best time to have a studio at home This is the point in the show where we ask who fared better. Touch different topics to see if Bugs Bunny or the Legion come out on top. Uh, the first of these questions is how well this fits each of their stories or atmospheres. Is this more of a Legion story or is it more of a Bugs Bunny story? What do you think? Is that supposed to be a debate? Because I think we're going to be agreeing a lot on, this, on <laughs> these questions. In my opinion, uh, this is, even though it's, happening in the 31st century and there's a lot going on and it's the legionnaire that have more of a humor uh, I feel like it's still a Bugs Bunny story because of the humor because of the self-awareness because of that the lack of decisive action and decision made from the team it's okay. really Bugs Bunny saving the day okay so the tone and the fact that he saves the day Makes gives it, it to yeah. okay um, I still kind of feel there is a debate or at least inside me <laughs> Inside me, there's a debate. Because it is the 31st century, because it is the that world. It is those villains coming back, Computo and Only Valdez. Bugs Bunny is the outsider, so it's like, okay, let's do a, a Legion story, let's skew it to humor, which they've done in the past, like the, the Substitute Legion, for example. And maybe there's that weird element in there, but it is still a Legion story where at the end it go, what the hell? <laughs> what just happened? I'd love to see in the continuity where this fits in. <laughs> that later on you just get back to the next issue and there's actually a statue of Bugs Bunny or Super Bugs next to Superboy. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, if it would be canon, you know. On Earth something. On Earth, Warner Brothers. <laughs> um, cool moves. What is the Legion's coolest move, best move in this? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not their most heroic uh, story. Uh, I think what's great about them and that is their dedication to saving Supergirl. So not only that, but also um, Brainiac's uh, different effort, bringing back Computo, but learning from his past mistakes, making him feel loved. So that was cool. But again, moves-wise and <laughs> fight-wise, uh, not great. <laughs> For Bugs Bunny, I'm going to say the coolest move is his fast-talking of Ultra Boy. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Arguably not the smartest Legionnaire. No, He's no. often been called, like, the dumb jock of the group, <laughs> one of the dumb jocks of the group. So because basically this is like the classic Bugs Bunny shtick that we were talking about earlier, where he says, um, you know, until then, until we find out if you have the atoms for that weird element, uh, you're not going anywhere. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're not. No, I am not. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, you know, so suddenly... You just, you just lose track and finally you end up saying exactly what he wants. Right. With Lightning Glass going, what? what's that? What was that? Huh. You know, is it mind control? Is it huh. mind control? <laughs> Secret telepathy powers. Where's the Saturn symbol? Editor's note. Shotgun is referring to the badge all telepaths from Titan had to wear in the reboot continuity. To me, that's the classic Bugs Bunny much more than him pulling a giant bone out of the out of his ass. But I guess he's wearing pants. 
He's got pajamas, so he's got a back pocket. That's a very silly moment for Timberwolf. No, the fast talking is really... And he's not even super bugs in that, you know? Just himself. Although I wouldn't begrudge you the, you know, wanting to call out the, uh, the Sunboy Punch because <laughs> of your own biases. But then again, it was under the influence of the, car- the special carrot, so mm. I-, I can see why the fast talk would be more impressive. Dumb or weird moves? Well, obviously the teen angst. Oh my god, that angsty teen feeling. <laughs> to see them being defeated by it, by it so often. And some with, I mean, better reasons than other. Like the fear of losing a loved one. The, the weight of having lost someone and how can you repay it. But something as stupid as I've never learned to read. <laughs> I've never re- learned to read Interlac. How does that make sense? Well, I guess but, maybe hey, she reads Wynathian or whatever. The secret's out. Oh, no. And thinking about food or hair. Yeah, because Computo actually is playing mind games with them. And it actually defeats them to the point where they're just... They're just on the ground. They're just on the ground. I don't even think... Rooting. They, need, they don't even need Validus to punch them. No, no. Computo, computos could have done that by himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, for Bugs Bunny, I think they screwed up a joke. So I'm going to call it a weird moment, and it's the moment with Shadowlass, where uh, Bugs Bunny is now considered dangerous, so they have to contain him. Shadowlass puts him in darkness, and when they dispel the darkness, he's suntanning inside that black that black bubble. He's on he's on a lounger, he's got carrots, he's got a, a fancy drink, a lemonade <laughs> or something. And Again, go- where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's going, oh, no, you know, he's going, oh, no rush. To me, that's a reverse joke, because... <laughs> Editor's note, now a car alarm has gone off. What is this day? Because just before, he was fighting Sunboy. Oh, yeah, So okay. when he's fighting Sunboy, Sunboy should have been throwing fi- fireballs at him, or bright light, or whatever, and Bugs Bunny should have had his shades, and he's lounging, and he's going, you know, it's like, this is just a suntan for him. That's the joke. Mm-hmm. When you're in pitch darkness... And then they pull you out of the darkness and you're lounging as if you're suntanning. I don't get it. That's a very weird moment to me. I, I feel like somebody screwed up a joke there. Yeah, no. You, I'm, yeah, with, I'm with Ultra Boy. Because he immediately says, what's happening? <laughs> and that has nothing to do with Valdis, obviously. It's yeah. all because of the, the bunny. Yeah, exactly. So I, That's a, the weird moment for me. Last is the friendly farewell. Team up tradition. How does this one rate? So usually we look at how they say goodbye and if we see if there's like a social winner and who had the biggest impression on the others they obviously because of his uh bugs bunny's change of heart his because of bugs coming back with that twinge of conscience bringing the carrots for them to examine if he could use them in any way uh, saving the day saving supergirl they realize at the end that he wasn't an enemy at all sure he arrived in weird circumstances and he was they were waiting for Superboy. Here comes that weird rabbit with weird powers. And uh, they overreacted, I think. So they left on good terms. And obviously, I think the bunny left quite the impression on the Legion when you compare yeah. to the Well, others. the Legion was building statues left and right. I mean, they're very much... They're statue builders. I know, but at the same time, Bugs Bunny just returns to his normal life, farming carrots... He just lost his three special, three special carrots, but that's about it, and it's business as usual for him. Mm-hmm. They build a shrine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. to him, uh, and they hope to see him again. Uh, you know, so yeah. So the only, the only thoughts 
he has about them is just, I wonder how they're doing. Uh, I'm sure they're fine. Like I said, Bugs Bunny's power. It's social interaction. Yeah. It's convincing people. He's very magnetic. You know, he's like super charisma. And that's why (laughs) at the end, they're all assembled. And I mean, they even, they kind of deface Superboy's statue. Because you have Superboy's statue, but Bugs Bunny <laughs> leaning Bug- on is it. leaning on it. It's very irreverent. There's no, you know, there's no respect for Superboy here, who, well, failed to save Supergirl by not showing up. Well, C- Computer I mean, did. I mean, I understand. Computer didn't recruit him, hmm. but uh, <laughs> still, that is Bugs Bunny who wins here. Uh, we'll take a break for a couple of promos, and we'll be back with our bonus team ups. Coming soon from Amalgam Comics. Superbugs. Shadow Duck. Tasmanian Wolf. Saturn Sand. Monel the Martian. Polar Pig. Roadrunner Excess. Uh, this list is really long. Do we have to read all of it? Uh, wait, wait. There's, uh, there's uh, 21, 30, 31, 32, 33. Okay, no, I guess not. Maybe just say the name of the comic book. The Legion of Looney Heroes. Legion indeed, every month from Amalgam Comics. Starting in April 3020. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Ant-Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. <laughs> the girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. We're back. Our final feature, the bonus team-up, in which each of us proposes a perfect team-up starring either the Legion or Bugs Bunny. It's your choice, Shotgun. I imagine you're going to take the Legion. I don't know. I, yeah, I, no. I, I've, not, I've not seen your notes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll take the Legion. This was a, a tough one for me because I know they had quite a number of team-ups in their many runs and continuities has different crossovers. I remember seeing them with Justice League, with uh, the Metal Man or whatever. So mm-hmm. they team up with different heroes. But what I've never seen and I think would be interesting is to have them maybe like team up with any some some sort of supernatural phenomenon investigators. Okay. I mean, why not? Okay, not sure. So so I, I while I was thinking about this, I was like, you know what? I went every freaking way possible. Do I want to see them with a big big team since they're a big team, or was it would it be too much? And then I just thought, no, something completely different. So I don't know, maybe they could team up with the Scooby gang and okay. investigating ghosts that aren't ghosts. Editor's note. Shotgun doesn't know it, but it happened in Scooby-Doo team-up number 33. Or even going even more further uh, down the path of paranormal with um, the BPRD and Hellboy. Something like that. Just just to see how the paranormal uh, side of things could bring some interesting new ways to exploit their different talents. Because there is... We, we saw that in Reboot. They seem to have a lot of mystical foes. It's like science versus magic mm-hmm. in a lot of these stories. Mordru, which was name-checked Absolutely, in this very... Yeah issue you genetics know. with the, the artifacts yeah there was so that, there is you know. a bit of that but i think it's not exploited enough so you want to see a horror story yeah why movie. not okay <laughs> i went for bugs bunny since i was defending him on this turn and i'm putting him with hoppy the marvel bunny ah i guess i guess that's what we're calling him maybe the shazam bunny or I, well dc just recently like this week 
announced that they were calling the Marvel family, which were they now calling the Shazam family, the Lightning League. It's awful. Uh, okay. So, okay, Hoppy the Lightning Bunny. I mean, <laughs> that character, that, that, you know, the rabid version of Captain Marvel. So he gets to reprise his role as Superbugs uh, from the issue we covered, and he has a good old-fashioned Superman Shazam team up with Funny Animals. On the flip side, you get so Yosemite Sam goes down to the bayou and recruits some alligator men, which are cousins to the crocodile men that once fought Captain Marvel, uh, and that got a cameo in the recent Shazam movie. Mm. I'm very nerdy about this. So, <laughs> you know, that that's the kind of story I would get. Because this story that we covered, the one thing that it was missing is a villain from the Warner Brothers. Mm. Like, there's a Yosemite Sam crossover with somebody. There's, you know, they got their own team-ups. They're, they're considered their own characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something in me would want to have, in the, like what we saw, Computo teaming up with Elmer Fudd. <laughs> that would have been great. And Bugs Bunny teaming up with the Legion to fight that combined force. But, um, I don't know. I don't know what that story would have been. <laughs> But that's what I would envision for a Bugs Bunny or a Super Bugs team up in the future. Makes sense. We're at the end of the show. Thanks for teaming up with me, uh, Shotgun. Remind people where they can find you. Well, of course, the Legion of Super Bloggers for a weekly review of the Legion reboot now on Fridays. Mm-hmm. It's just the schedule's just changed. So Fridays uh, is the Legion reboot with uh, yours truly. And once a month on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, uh, join us for some uh, R-rated NSFW dateability reviews of every single entries in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. That's what more or not for you. According to the show. <laughs> I'm a part of both those projects. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I'll let you go. I will stick around to uh, render feedback from our previous episode. Thanks again. All right, thank you. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! (laughs) The Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. always have to say it that way. Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? We're back. Before we get to your feedback, I really need to talk to my editor, uh, dude, what gives? I just listened to the front part of the episode and you keep interrupting and it's, it's really, really irritating. Perhaps if you did your job, you omitted a number of important things like context, issue numbers, and important references. For example, you didn't mention the cover was itself a homage to Adventure Comics number 247 with the Legionnaires rating the membership potential of Super Bugs. Yes, I did. I totally did. You edited it out. As editor, that is my prerogative. I cut it out on my first editing pass because of plow slash cat slash Malcolm noises. Well, then you can't throw it in my face afterwards, Blot. I am not Blot. I am Computo 3. Blot is my cousin, but we don't talk about that side of the family. And confusing us is Machinist. Okay, fine, fine. Can I just get through the feedback from the previous episode featuring Batman and the Earth 2 Huntress with my guest Diane, can I? Who is stopping you? <sighs> well, here we go. Rob Kelly says, great episode. Nice to have Diane on a fire and water show. He says, I bought this comic off the stands and I've always loved it, even if, as Siskoid mentions, dredging up superheroes' dead relatives is always a little dodgy. I love Diane's observation that writers should challenge the characters, not the reader's perception of those characters. How many... 
Everything you know about X is wrong storylines of superhero comic readers lived through. I don't need the rug continually pulled out from under me. And of course, Jim Aparo can never do wrong. We've also got Ido Bosnar. It's been a while since I've read it, but yeah, I recall liking this one. Uh, interesting also that it came on the heels of another similar team-up with the Earth to Robin in Brave and the Bold number 182. Really enjoyed your synopsis of the issue and your comments. I also found the lengthy post-crisis rundown on Huntress quite interesting, since I have not read any of the non-Helena Wayne Huntress stories, but yeah... And I know it's probably been said many times before, for something that was supposed to solve a whole bunch of storytelling problems, Crisis, the original one in the mid-1980s, ultimately created a convoluted mess in its wake, and it specifically screwed up some really outstanding characters like Huntress and Power Girl, as noted on the show. Just like it effed up the Legion of Superheroes Beyond Repair. Funny you should mention them. Uh, Frank says, never read the issue. The Huntress podcast is perpetually on my I ought to start listening to that list, but I'm rarely motivated uh, to search for yet another show to fill my queue. That said, respect for the learned perspective and unique voice of Diane. Despite Huntress being among my favorite DC characters, either version, I'm now at the 30th anniversary of my only ever reading a couple or three issues of the 89 series. I might ought to go ahead and take the plunge to listen to a show about that run before season two and staring down another 21 episodes to catch up on. Martin Gray uh, chimes in, says, thanks for a great episode, the longest ever. I loved the in-depth discussion of Helena and her place in the DC multiverse. I remember when she was succeeded by Helena Bertinelli, I couldn't see the point. The Huntress's original parentage so informed the character that DC might as well have created someone in new entirely. I know the Cavalieri Staten uh, series was pretty popular, but I had no interest in reading it. All that I remember is that Staten experimented with Zipatone, Artboard, or something. Yes, he did. It was lovely to see a more recognizable Huntress for a brief time in the New 52's World Finest. And I'm with Diane in not understanding DC's insistence that post-crisis Huntress and Batman could never be friends. She wasn't actually killing goons, was she? Batman himself was rough in the early years, and Cisco surely everyone who was reading World's Finest back in the early 80s remembers Null and Void. They were great. A fun period for the book all around, as it got more experimental. As for the issue, I liked it at the time. Then in my head over the years, I misremembered it as an Alan Brenner issue. I suppose it's because the amazing Catwoman issue of Brave and the Bold came along around the same time, but yeah... The Batman giving it up bit had whiskers on it by this time and was unconvincing. Always great to see the real Helena, though especially drawn by apparel. Diana inspired me to seek out her first meeting with Uncle Bruce in Batman Family number 17. Boy, Bruce was so uncurious. This should have led him wanting to get to know her really well, work on getting a ring on Selina, but no. It was basically a cameo leading to her own series. Tim Price says, I haven't read this issue myself and am sorely disappointed that it's not available on the DCU app. Yeah, I don't know what why that is, uh, since I've successfully been able to find so many of the books covered by this show. Hopefully, that'll be corrected soon. I love Jim Aparo's artwork a lot. And from the gallery page, the Huntress is just terrific. The story sounds like an entertaining read, Diane's, and your discussion was just great. I've enjoyed hearing her on the Huntress podcast, so she was the perfect guest here. Was it weird that the Zero Hour Strikes episode had a story throwing a curve on Batman's motivation? Joe Chill didn't kill his parents. And this story did too. Different kinds of twists and pulling Batman in opposite directions. One story pushing him to stay, the other making him want to quit. But both digging into his past with surprises and similar discussions result about why he is Batman. At least it felt similar to me. 
and to me as well, Tim, I, I, I guess I'd, I'd call it a trope, uh, but it just happened. You know, if I'd had my head, maybe I would have put these two episodes sort of back to back on the uh, on the network schedule. But it was the Patreon members who wanted me to cover this particular issue, and I just couldn't say no, of course. Gothos Mansion says, sorry to take so long to comment. You got it in time. Uh, he says, thanks for the show, and I hope Cisco and Diane had a Merry Christmas. I enjoyed this issue and was collecting Brave and the Bold regularly at the time of its release. I liked the bit about Batman leaving the toys for the orphans. Back in the Bronze Age, we got stuff like this to show he was a noble hero and not the hateful jerk he is now. Strangely, Barr wrote several good B&B stories, but his work on Batman and the Outsiders started turning Batman into a hateful jerk. I also enjoyed the comparison with Earth 2 Huntress and the Bertinelli version. I always preferred Huntress as the child of Catwoman and Batman. But that could be because she was the version I grew up with. Uh, Chris Franklin says, great episode on a classic comic. I read it every Christmas, too. For years, I confused myself into thinking this was an Allard Brenner story because it clicks some of those subjects Brenner liked to explore in most of his Batman tales. Parallel Earths, the origin story, and Batman's motivations. The fact that I put this one in such illustrious company shows how much I care for it. I love the general pre- and post-crisis discussion as well. DC has had a very weird relationship with the Huntress since throwing Helena Wayne out with the Crisis bathwater. It's like Batman and his family actually made Huntress into the character they accused her of being over time. And I can't agree with Diane Moore about the modern writer's tendencies to pollute the characters for shock value. The lack of strong editors as stewards of the characters is the real culprit, in my opinion. Nowadays, Thomas Wayne would indeed be revealed to be a mobster, and this story would have a whole trade paperback worth of Batman working through it just to get out of bed in the evening and into the Batmobile. Let's end on uh, Ward Hill Terry. He says, that was a great discussion of the Huntress and the Helenas. I am only familiar with Earth 2 Huntress, and I appreciate Diane's passionate sharing of her knowledge. As much as I like Helena Wayne, and I really like her because... I was there from the beginning. She is no longer a viable concept. She, like her JSA pals, are of their particular time. Helena was born in 1957. Her father is the Golden Age Batman. That is her character. Any other version is not the same character. Helena would be over 60 by now. How far forward can her birth date be pushed until it's not believable? Ange would say conceivable. That Bruce Wayne, born circa 1919, could father a child. I can understand that DC may want to have a purple and lavender female crime fighter called the Huntress to maintain the intellectual property, but I agree with Martin. They should have created a whole new character, not named Helena. One more thing about this particular story. Often I find that Mike Barr's mystery hinges on some peculiar oddity, like the incessant tapping of this issue suspect, and I get annoyed. However, on the day that I listened to you discuss this, I was doing a presentation at the museum where I work. There were over a hundred people in this space, and they were listening very intently to me, as there was almost no chattering, rustling, or other noise to distract, except for an incessant tapping from two levels up. Not loud, but clear. Probably clear enough to be picked up by an audio recording device. Maybe. Yeah, man, you'd be surprised what a microphone picks up. Perhaps if you adjusted your settings. Oh, shut up. Goodbye forever. Okay, just enough time to mention that we are on Patreon. I, I just mentioned the Patreon. We will be doing more polls. I think uh, it's a fun way to pick stories. So uh, expect soon uh, on the site a poll asking you what weird team-up you'd like to, to hear about for April. You know, because of April Fool's being the foolish month. So let's do a, a foolish, weird, strange, ridiculous team-up. 
Uh, I'll put the choices up on the Patreon, and uh, Patreon members uh, could vote on the result. I'll find a guest somehow to cover the chosen story. Patreon.com slash FWPodcast is where you go. And for a um, one-time or a monthly donation, uh, you can be a member. You can have that kind of power over us and unlock various rewards. Check it out. And all that's left to say is that you can leave a comment just like the people we just heard from uh, at fireandwaterpodcast.com or even on the Facebook page for Fire and Water or on Twitter. We are FW Podcasts. So that's it. See you next time for another amazing superhero team up because after all, justice is a team effort. Oh, this is it.